Hey, Ephesians chapter 2 is, is going to be our entire text for today. I'll throw some other verses up on the stream, but if you have your Bibles or maybe a phone app, um, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. We are doing this series uh, called Made for More. We're doing a chapter-by-chapter chapter study of the book of Ephesians, and I'd love to kind of go through this second chapter with you because we started last week with the idea that we are made for something more. We are the fullness of Jesus Christ on this earth. He is the head of the church, and we are the body, the church. And I'd love for you, if you would, to listen with soft ears and a soft mind this morning, because I don't want you to disregard what's being said when we talk about the church, and you just think that that means the church as a whole. I want you to hear very clearly that Paul is writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Christians. You are the church. And so I don't want you to disregard what's being said about your purpose in life or who you are in Christ as some kind of general acknowledgement. This is you. This is who God has made you. This is who God loves. And so as we jump into this this morning, I want you to understand and believe in your heart that this is for me because Ephesians was not written to professional pastors. Ephesians was written specifically to Christians. They were actually given the instructions that, that this book should be read throughout the whole area of Asia Minor and that it should, be, it should be read to Christians and by Christians for believers, for individuals like you and I. I want to make, so, so there's this mind shift that has to take place. So, so let's just blame it on the churches. That way you don't feel bad this morning. But we have fostered this attitude towards our work for God, that it's the church's responsibility. And when I say the churches, I mean corporate. Like, like we have, I think, created this dynamic that we can do it and you can help. But I want to flip that. I, want, I really want you to acknowledge the fact that you can do it and we can help you. So let's incorporate the Home Depot slogan, right? Like, like you can do it, we can help. I want that to resonate with you. And I want you to, to, to wrestle with the fact that, that if I am the church of Christ on this earth, what is my role in the fulfilling of what Jesus wants to do? I love the, the illustration of, of pouring water into a fish tank. There's no place in that tank that the water doesn't go. You are no, there's no place on this earth that a resurrected Jesus doesn't want to be a part of fulfilling there's no, there's no do not enter signs for Jesus Christ on this earth. And then we as his church, as his body, there should be no places where we do not go and there is no effect. So, so that's the whole idea of made for more. And I want to challenge you to wrestle with the fact that you have a purpose in this world. So here's what scares me as a pastor. I don't know what kind of ideas you're going to come up with. Like, I don't know what God's going to speak to your heart. But isn't that kind of the risk we take? When we, when we put something out there and we say, all right, God, what is it that you have for me to do in my world? Because I don't work where you work. I don't, I don't travel where you travel. I don't engage with the same people who you engage with. So the, so the question is, what does that look like for you? What, what big old thing does God have in store for you? And, and, and what I would love to do is to empower you 
whether it's just trying to inspire you, whether it's opening up your heart and mind to, to allowing God to speak to your heart about what it is that you are made for, or whether we as a church family get behind you and support you, however that looks, that's a little scary for me right there because some of you are kind of come up with some pretty silly ideas. Some of you are going to come up with ideas that significantly impact our community, and that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I, I would be so excited to hear of this and, uh, and to understand what that looks like for you. So if you have your Bibles and we are in Ephesians chapter two, I wanna give a quick summary of Ephesians two here. This will take about five or six minutes, maybe, maybe 10, but somewhere in that time frame. Like as I read through Ephesians, I want us to understand that we are only made for more in relation to who Jesus is in us. So the idea here is that, is that we truly belong, like we are part of the family of God, and until we understand who we be, we can't be more. So we have to understand that if we are made for more, in my opinion, we need to have an acknowledgement and an understanding of who we are in Jesus. And so Ephesians chapter 2 is all about Jesus. It's just it's, it's just all about Jesus. And so as I'm breaking down this chapter, going by section by section, here's how I broke it down. Um, Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three. Before Jesus, I was dead. It says this actually in verse one. It's, it's pretty easy to identify. And you, Hathi Quicken, who were dead in trespasses and sin. So before Jesus, we were dead. And then the next few verses here, through Jesus, I am brought to life. As we're looking at Ephesians chapter two, it's all about Jesus, our identity, who we are in him. We are called to be, we are made to be more. It's all about what Jesus has done. So, so through Jesus, I am brought to life. It says this, but God who is rich in mercy. And I just, I don't, I don't care what you got going on in life. Those two words, but God make all the difference, right? I don't, I, trouble with your marriage, Worried about your kids, issues at work, financial struggles. If you put those two words in the equation, it has the potential to create a result that would have been impossible without adding but God. So whatever situation you are in right now, it says this, but God. So we were dead. It doesn't get much worse than being dead. All right? But God, so we were dead, and then it says this, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love. Don't you love this? Wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened, that means he made alive us together with Christ, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So before Jesus, let's review here. Before Jesus, I was what? I gave you the answer, okay? This isn't even a trick quiz, question, right? right? So before Jesus, I was dead, thank you. And then through Jesus, I am brought to life, right? All right, and then in verses 10, 11, and 12, with Jesus, I have purpose. Isn't that exciting? So with Jesus, I have purpose. It says this in verse 10 specifically, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You know, another word for workmanship you might have in your, in your Bible is the word masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I love that so much. 
But he doesn't just stop there. He says it's unto good works. So hear this, church. Believe this, Christian, that you are created. You are a masterpiece of Jesus Christ for something. It's unto good works. You have a purpose with Jesus, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So before you were even the twinkle in somebody's eye, God had a plan for your life. God had good works for you to walk into. He knew who you were gonna meet. He knew the family you were going to have. He knew where you were going to work. And he preordained what your life could look like and as it could unfold to create that fullness in the world that you live in. Tell me God doesn't have an opinion about how you live your life. Every disciple has a unique handcrafted by God mission on this earth. We are, we are godly vessels that are here to express the fullness of Jesus in every corner of our culture, in every sphere of our society. That's why we're here. Now, tell me something. In verse 10 here, is that, so when it says we are, is that talking to the church or is it talking to us individually? That's us individually, right? That, so, so we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. The question is not if, the, if you have a purpose, the, the question should be is, is what is my purpose? Because here's the truth. We are not just saved from something. We are saved for something. And I love the relationship that we get to have with the Lord. And I love where we're heading. I love, I love that the end of the book has already been written. Like, like God already knows how all of this is going to play out. But I also love the fact that it's more than that. Like we are here for a purpose. It's not just that we are saved from something. We are saved for something. So before Jesus, I was dead. Through Jesus, I am brought to life. With Jesus, I have purpose. And in Jesus, I have access we're good. So, so I'm going to read you a few verses, but I'm going to put up verse 18 here. But I'm going to read you a few verses just before we get to verse 18. Verse 13 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you, who were sometimes afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. In just a little while, we're going to celebrate communion together. And that cup with the juice in it represents the blood of Christ. And we are made nigh to God. We're brought near to God because of the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, verse 14, who hath made both one and hath brought down the middle wall of partition between us. And then he says this in verse 18. For through him, that's Jesus, we both, who's the both? Us and Jesus, have access by one spirit unto the Father. You have just as much access to the Father as Jesus Christ. We both have access to the Father. And then finally, as we end out the, the chapter and when I say finally, I don't mean the sermon's about over. So I thought some of you are like, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> 15 minutes of singing and a 10-minute message. I'm going to start going to this church. In closing of my introduction, because of Jesus, I belong. I want you to live in this. I want you to just sit in this. You ever walked into a room and felt out of place? You ever, it happens to me all the time. And I mean this, like anybody who knows, like I'm a pastor, you walk into a room and everybody just kind of looks at you. I hate that, by the way. 
Whenever you walk into a room and you feel out of place or you don't feel welcome or, or everybody else is having a good time but you don't know people, there's that, listen, that ain't you. When it comes to God, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ, that's not you. You are in, you're good, like you are part of the family. It says this in verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and with the saints and of the household of God, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You can't focus on yourself and see yourself the way God sees you. In Christ, you have life. In Christ, you have a purpose. In Christ, you belong. And if you want to experience the joy that he promised, the abundant life that he mentions in John 10.10, 10, if you want to feel that abundance that he has for you and as you are taking it in and you're giving it back out and you understand who you are in Christ now you can give that out to other people it requires you to see yourself the way God sees you you have been called out you've been set apart first Peter chapter 2 says this in verses 9 and 10 but you are a chosen generation like God says I pick you like you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and this is most of you, a peculiar people. That you should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. And this is who we are. I want you to, I want you to feel that this morning. I want you to, to have the confidence but so many of us have such a difficult time accepting who we are in Jesus because you know who you really are. You know what you struggle with. But until you understand how God views you because of Jesus, you're never gonna live into the fullness of who you were created to be. There's this psychological disorder called looking glass syndrome. And it was, it was discovered in adults for the first time in 1997. They, had, they knew about it in children under the age of two, where they had a hard time differentiating between an object in a mirror and the real object. But they found that when, when some people experience some type of a stroke, and it deadens a part of their brain, that they exhibit the same behavior. And what behavior is that? The behavior is this. They put a mirror next to them in a wooden frame to where they can identify the fact that this is a mirror. They even made sure there was dust on the image of the mirror so that they would be able to see that whatever they see in there is just a reflection. Then they would put an item, a pencil or an eraser or a car right in front of them. And if you have this looking glass syndrome, 100% of the patients experience this. They take their right hand and slam into the mirror trying to grab the object. Because they can't, they, they, their mind cannot understand that the real object is right in front of them. They see it, but when they go for it, they go off to the right hand and they just hit the mirror instead because they don't see what is right in front of them. And until you see who you really are in Jesus Christ, you're going to be continually hitting your head up against the wall and disqualifying yourself for who you have been called to become and the purpose of your life. There's a lot of reasons we disqualify ourselves. We, because we base our value on false narratives. We, we tell ourselves stories about ourselves that aren't the way that God sees us. We value ourselves using the wrong metrics. 
Here's, here's what we normally use. We, we allow our performance to define who we are. Like how, how well am I doing at life? We, we allow the opinions of others to define who we are. Like how do I feel about myself when I don't think somebody likes me, right? We allow our performance to determine our value. We allow the opinions of others to determine our value. We look at the worst parts of our past and that's how we identify ourselves, and here's, here's the crazy thing. Like, those were, the, those were the worst parts of your life. And that's what you decide to use to create your value of yourself. Yes, you did that, but that's not who you are. In Jesus Christ, do you see who you are? You're made alive. You belong. You have access. You are part of the family of God. He sees you as his child. Jesus successfully paid for all of your mistakes and all of your sins. But we, we see ourselves that way. We keep hitting the mirror because we're, we can't accept the fact that how God sees us is right in front of us. We also compare ourselves to others to determine our value, our weight, our, our and I have most, most of you beat, by the way, I, I'm successful in something. So we, we, we do our best to compare ourselves to others, whether it's our bank accounts or what we drive or the house that we live in. And we compare ourselves to others and that's how we determine our value and we use our feelings to determine our value, which means tomorrow we may feel better about ourselves today so our value goes up. But none of those things ultimately determine your self-worth because you are his masterpiece. Brett Andrews said this. He said, the value of anything is determined by three things. Let me give them to you. First of all, who made it? The value of anything is determined by who made it. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. Now, you make mistakes, and you will continue to make mistakes, but that is not who you are. If you are a child of God, you are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece, which means he is working on you. Hebrews 12, I think it says that he is the author and finisher of our faith. He is, that means he's got the pen. That means he's writing. The word masterpiece is also a word that was used for the word poem. So God is writing your life story like a beautiful poem where everything has the right meter, everything rhymes. It's going to be a beautiful masterpiece. Psalm 139 says this about our creator. says how perfectly we were created. It says, for it was you, capitalized you. That's God. It was you, God, who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. That's you he's talking about. That's the God that loves you who gave his son for you, the view of yourself changes and the view you have towards others changes when you see yourself the way God does and you see them the way God does. So how do we determine our value? Who made you? Who made you? How else do we determine the value of anything? Who owns it? 
The Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. I love the King James. It says, and the fullness thereof. Like whatever, whatever it is, like the fullness of it, that is what belongs to God. And then it says this, it goes on, it says, the world and all those are all, and those who dwell therein. You belong to God. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So for a time, we have this ability to make decisions and we have free will because you can't have real love without free will. And God wants us to love him and God wants us to glorify him. And so he gives us this free will, but he owns us. So who, who made it? Who owns it? And I love this, how much someone is willing to pay for it. Our value is determined by how much someone was willing to pay for us. There's this parable that Jesus told in the Gospels about a, a man, he found a treasure in a field. And you might be familiar with it. And this treasure was so valuable to him that he went and sold everything else that he had in order to be able to buy the field that the treasure was in. You were that valuable to God. So let's see. If I wanted something so badly that I would sell everything I had in order to be able to purchase it. What is the most valuable thing in my life that I would have to sell in order to be able to purchase what I want? Could you imagine selling a child? Some of you are like, yeah, which one can I pick? <laughs> my favorite airline demonstration, the lady said, you know, the masks come down, make sure you put it on yourself first before you put it on your child. And if you have more than one child, just pick the one that you like the most. Put the mask on that one, then put the... It was funnier when you were in the plane, I guess, but... <laughs> but how valuable are you that God himself... Because like you know you, right? But he loved you so much. He loved you so much that he would give his own son for you. That's that, 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 that familiar verse, John three sixteen. I did this on purpose. I left the whosoever blank for you to write your own name in. And I did it on my notes right here. I, I literally have a blank right there where whosoever was. And I wrote Eric, John three sixteen. for God so loved Eric. Don't put Eric in your notes unless your name is Eric. Put your name in the notes that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How much more valuable can you be than for God to give his son for you? So many of us have a hard time believing that we could be loved that much. But can you own that? Like, can you receive that kind of love? Or do you keep telling lies to yourself that you're unlovely or that you're unlovable? God thinks you're pretty great. God likes you a lot. God loves you so much. 
that he loved you first, he loved you best, and he loved you enough to give his son for you. Some of you have maybe been abandoned by someone you love. Some of you have been rejected by those you love. Some of you have made a lot of mistakes in your life, and some of you continue to make a lot of mistakes in your life. Some of you don't feel acceptable as a person, like how in the world? Listen, none of us have it all together. Some of us are just better at making it look like we do. But all of us deal with stuff. All of us have issues. All of us are working on and struggling with problems in our life. I joke about it all the time. I really want to, you know, set the bar really low in your expectation of me. Because I know me. But you know you. And so does God. And God knows every inconsistency in your life. God knows every problem you have. God knows every sin you've ever committed. He already knows all the ones you're going to commit. And he said, you are worth it. You're worth me giving my son to win you back. Do you understand your value to God? That's what we're talking about. You're worth it. And this isn't a pep talk today. Before we can do anything for the Lord, we have to understand who we are. Because what we do for God doesn't change our value to him. We are already valuable. The truth of the matter is that we need to take the time to stop trying to classify my value is based on what I do. My value is based on whose I am. That's the value. Brennan Manning said this, define yourself as one loved by God. Every other identity is an illusion. You'll never understand your more until you embrace your be. So all the struggles that you have in life and all of the problems that you think you have are no surprise to the God who loves you. Yes, work on it, right? Don't stay in the pig pen, right? Work on it. Get, get better at it. You, you know, little by little, you're giving your life over to the Lord. Every disciple of Christ is, a, is, is understanding that it's a lifelong process of learning what it looks like to live like Jesus, Whatever your role in life is, you know, what, I mean, what does it look like to be a, a plumber? Like if Jesus was a plumber, what would it look like? If Jesus was a mechanic, if, if Jesus was a, a mom, if Jesus was a dad, if, if he was a receptionist or an architect or whatever, what kind of that would Jesus be? So it's this lifelong process of becoming who Jesus wants us to be. But, but for the believer... My performance doesn't determine my identity. You're already in Christ. But I do believe this, my identity should determine my performance. So there should be an impact on the world that I live in because of whose I am. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 20. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 says this, For you are bought with a price, but it doesn't stop there. There's this great word that says, Therefore. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, 
which are God's. But understand the fact that you are bought, you are purchased, you are valuable. He made you, he owns you, and he gave his son for you. You are valuable to God. Every person is valuable to God. See yourself that way and see others that way. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for for seeing us the way you do without us even able to understand or comprehend or interpret that. Father, we love you. Help us to love you better by comprehending the love you have for us. And help us to be more as we live in this relationship you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.